You know, your mama loved this place, but never as much as at Christmas time. Christmas is just so magical here. The uh, Aguilar family will be here shortly. What do we know about them? Mark Aguilar is a single dad with two kids. Look, I know some of our wealthier guests can be very demanding, but let's try to give the Aguilar family the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> hey! Welcome to Paradise Ranch. Thanks for having us. I'm Mark Aguilar. Nice to meet you. Are you a real-life cowgirl? I most certainly am. Seeing as how it's Christmas week, there's plenty of fun things for you all to do. There's a big festival in town. Did you all bring your cowboy hats? Dad, look at this! Nice, easy, relaxed time at the ranch. Felt like a good idea. So you think ranch life is easy? I mean, it's just a bunch of yeehaws and giddy-ups, right? Whoa, 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 Halsey! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Here at Paradise Ranch, most of our guests come here to disengage from all the noise. I'm so busy working, I forget I'm a dad with two kids. You need me for just more than stuff. From what I've seen, you're doing an amazing job. I really, really like this. It's like time's just stood still here. And it's exactly as I remember. So you came to Paradise when you were a kid and I'm just now learning about this? You know, I see you take care of everything and everyone around you. Well, who takes care of Mary? I guess Mary takes care of Mary. Uh, I want to take care of Mary too. I've never met anybody like you before. You have your life in LA, I have my life here. It's better that we don't start something that has nowhere to go. But we can enjoy the here and now. Whoa! <laughs> You've awakened something inside of me. And Mark and I live in two very different worlds. If you choose to follow your heart, so be it. Hello and welcome to the season premiere of Stocking Stuffers 2023 edition, the ninth year we're doing this. I'm Emily and with me is not Christine, not this time, but she will be back, don't you worry. I can't do all of these alone and for those of you who are new to the show or who did not listen to the last episode and who are wondering what the hell is going on here, uh, this is something I've been doing now for nine years. Uh, started with blogging, turned into podcasting. I can't really explain why, but these Cozy Cardigan Christmas movies, of which you cannot escape around this time of year, fascinate me. Uh, and at this point, again, everybody kind of knows the bingo card, knows the rules, knows what these things are, but I still have a good time going through them and kind of tearing through what makes them what they are. Uh, I'll, we will be doing it with guests. I will have a whole bunch of fun people to be on the show and go over these movies. Um, I can't promise you anything. I can promise you there will be a lot of, I don't know, dangly earrings and empty coffee cups. But I will say last year, uh, if people remember, we actually had some good movies. Like, And I'm saying this not on a curve, right? We had a few of these types of movies that were genuinely enjoyable. Will that happen again? I have no idea. Did that happen today? Well, not really. But, uh, you know, the the first episode I usually like to do is a solo episode just to kind of get my bearings, kind of walk through how we do this thing and all the different parts of what makes a Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie. And I pick something, you know, I, I try to find a movie that I think will be a good representative of the genre. Uh, and also one that maybe has something interesting about it. So today's episode, as you heard from the really low-energy trailer that was just scenes from the movie tied together, uh, today's movie is Lifetime's Mistletoe in Montana. And this is from 2021, which, again, is only two years old, which you would think would make it a recent movie, but in the timeline and definition of uh, Cozy Cardigan Christmas, this movie is now ancient and out of date. The reason I chose this. 
So if you remember, last year, there was an article in Vulture or New York Magazine that uh, sort of did a deep dive into these movies. Um, it was the the writer of the article, like, kind of uh, spent, like, a full week on set of, what was it? It was Santa Boot Camp. Uh, and that one, Melissa Joan Hart directed. Uh, Rita Moreno was in it. It was fine. Uh, it was like all of these movies, it is what it is. But within that article was a lot of talk about the filming of this of these movies. And it kept mentioning, like, oh, the movie that shall not be named, that was a horrible shoot, that destroyed everybody, that was one of those, like, we're not going to have this happen again. And the article names that movie as this one, Mistletoe in Montana. Uh, so naturally, I had put it on my radar and said, I kind of need to see if I can see all the things that went wrong on the shoot. So 2020-2021 was still pretty heavy in pandemic. So they had started, they were filming these movies, but they were still probably, I think this was after probably they were doing like serious COVID care, uh, which meant one of the things that apparently happened on set was that they had COVID uh, test cases in the beginning. So these kinds of things happen. Also what happened, and uh, I found, there's an article I found that where Melissa Joan Hart kind of listed off some of the things, um, was there were, let's see, COVID cases on set, one horse wrangler for nine horses, a heat wave, because they filmed this on location in Montana, but like in July, when it was apparently extremely hot, there was no Wi-Fi, much like the plot of the movie. Uh, There were no rental cars, because this was just during that period where there was nothing of anything. And so why would you film a movie like this? I don't know, but that's a different story. And finally, there were grizzly bears. Uh, Put a pin in that because we will talk about whether there are grizzly bears in this movie. Spoiler alert, there are no grizzly bears in this movie. And it just seems like a natural thing you could have easily had that happen in your movie and not even had to factor it into your budget, of which we know is minute. So, Mistletoe in Montana. And to give a reminder of how these episodes go, I will talk a little bit about whatever we need to know about the movie, give a very quick synopsis, because we know the synopsis of every one of these movies, and then dive into the tropes and the typical things we expect to find in them. So... This movie, a little bit about the filming of it, we talked about how nightmarish the shoot was. It also had, so it's Lifetime. And I tend to like the Lifetime movies a a little more than Hallmark. With Lifetime, you can push the envelope a teeny bit, teeny bit further. Really not much. Uh, But you're not quite as constrained by some of the sort of everything has to be positive rules of Hallmark. Uh, you, they tend to feel cheaper and messier. Sometimes they have more interesting casts, um, but it's very general. That can be completely true or completely false. One of the reasons I thought this was also of interest is that it is directed by Kelly Martin. And Kelly Martin is a name that will either ring a bell to certain people of certain generations, or they will have no idea who she is. Kelly Martin is, wasn't, I think she is still acting, but in this case, she is directing. She was a child actor. Uh, for me, she was Life Goes On and The Face on the Milk Carton. Those were very important movies, to, or Life Goes On was a TV show. Face on the Milk Carton was a TV movie based on a very popular young adult mystery novel series at the time. And, she, you know, she was on ER. She's had a very long career. I This, I think, is the only, like, full-length thing she directed. She has a short on there and then some TV. So, okay, sure, why not? Uh, let's see, Kelly Martin, what you can do. I don't know, you can do as well with this as any other director can do with this material. And the 
inspiration for this one. So Melissa Joan Hart, who we're going to talk about her in a second. Uh, this was kind of her, she's an executive producer on this. She tends to produce most of what she does for these, for these networks now. Uh, this apparently is a story that was conceived by her and her mother. They went to a wedding in Wyoming, and when they were there, they like heard a story about one of the guests who went to a dude ranch on vacation and then fell in love with the Wrangler, and they got married, and wow, that would make a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie. And so it did. So Melissa Joan Hart did not write the script, but I guess kind of assembled the team to put this together. Uh, let us talk a little bit about Melissa Joan Hart, who is somebody that I have tended to avoid for these episodes because she, not to say you have to politically agree with me for me to want to watch your movie, but she's, you know, kind of said some very stupid things. She, I know, is very conservative, but how with that being said, um, she is conservative in a way that at least she does seem to allow for uh, exception. So she is pro-gun control. Um, I know it was, I remember that this was somewhat in the news was that um, she was not supporting Trump. I think she ended up voting libertarian. So, I mean, not, you know, six of one, but anyway, so she's not my favorite person generally, uh, but I can at least respect that she has had an interesting career. Uh, also, I will throw this out there, she grew up about two towns away from me. So she is from Sayville, New York in Long Island. The other fun thing about that is it means I get to listen really closely to see if I can identify her regional accent. And it is there. It's not that she pronounces words like a Long Islander. It's that my husband pointed this out. She has a kind of New York, Long Island cadence in how she speaks which wouldn't really matter, except she is playing a cowgirl in Montana. So you do notice it a little bit. But fun fact about Melissa Joan Hart, this was one thing I had never knew, is that she had auditioned for Halloween 4. So imagine an alternate universe where Dan Daniel Harris does not play little Jamie Lloyd, and instead it's Melissa Joan Hart. And perhaps then Daniel Harris becomes Clarissa, and then Sabrina, and just what a world that would be. But that's not why we're here. We are here to talk about Mistletoe in Montana. Uh, I, I kind of don't even have to tell you what it's about. You can probably figure it out. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart plays Mary, who is a, the I guess, what, the head dude rancher, the dude ranchess, what do you call them, the wrang wrangler, wrangless. And it's her family farm, her widowed dad has raised her there to be a cowgirl. And one of the things they do after, I don't know, raising the cows and doing all the things that you do in a dude ranch is they also do vacations there so wealthy people can come and stay for a week and enjoy country life. And wouldn't you know, uh, on this holiday, the family coming to stay uh, is Mark. Aguilar, believe is the character's name, and his two kids and his nanny. And they come and stay, and what do you know? They fall in love, question mark, because their chemistry isn't great, but I guess they're supposed to have fallen in love. And of course, there's conflict because he's a software developer from Los Angeles, and she's a cowgirl living in Wyoming. How can they make it work? Well, because it's 2021, one of the things we learned during the, these past few years is that a lot of work can be done remotely. Uh, so this might be the first movie that I have caught in this series where uh, remote work ends up saving the day and saving love because he decides, yes, we will stay on this ranch forever and uh, you can be a cowgirl and I can still make millions from this dude ranch. 
and that is mistletoe in Montana. Very little surprises, but that's usually not why we come here. We come here to go into the expected trope of 10, the 10 things that we look for in these movies that we almost always get, and then the bonus round of the funner stuff that we have to be a little more eagle-eyed for. So the first part, of course, this always will come up, our female protagonist who is in need of a lesson. And I've readjusted a bit of where things fall. So one of the addendums to our female lead in a lesson, in need of a lesson, is the question of does she have a Christmas-themed name? Of course she does. Her name is Mary. Why wouldn't it be? It's mistletoe in Montana. And I guess in this case, Mary is... What is the lesson she needs to learn? I don't know. Not to be so... Kind of... What's the word? How do I say this? They do a thing where she, it's not that she's like a workaholic because she's like a dude rancher. So I guess a workaholism and a dude ranch is a little different from, you know, if she was a lawyer. But the movie treats it as if she's like very unlucky in love and it's because she's so tough. I don't know. Maybe it's because she lives in Montana and there's like seven people in Montana and it's probably pretty hard to meet somebody in Montana. So I don't really know what she needs to learn. She's kind of annoyingly competitive. And I say this as somebody who I know is, without question, annoyingly competitive. Um, So maybe, you know, here's a Long Island woman uh, who's annoyingly competitive. And it's perhaps a little window into my soul. So perhaps this movie was made for me and I learned a few lessons myself. Um, But I don't know. She's kind of self-aware about, there's a, you know, she kind of says at one point, I have a strong personality that tends to scare people away. Yeah, sure, I guess. Like, it's, I don't know. She's not very charming. I, I I don't just want to be mean. I don't generally find Melissa Joan Hart charming in these movies. Um, and it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I, and I don't know how much of that is just my interpretation of kind of knowing that she doesn't like the gays, for example, makes it hard for me to really enjoy watching her. But also, I just don't, she doesn't have that, like, sparkling comic timing of a Hillary Burton, let's say. But she is also, and part of this is her age. She's probably, I don't know, late 40s, maybe even early 50s by now. She's a couple years older than me. Uh, She doesn't have that kind of soft perkiness, which is fine, because you can, you don't need that to be your lead. But there's just, and I don't want to just say likable, because that is obviously a very loaded term that I don't like kind of jockeying about. But I don't know. Do people love her? Is there anybody out there that's like, oh, I have to watch the new Melissa Joan Hart movie? Now, granted, I feel the same way about a Candace Cameron or Jill Wagner or some of these other actors who just I don't get. Um, But it's I don't know. In her case, it's a particular thing. Um, But I don't want to be mean about it. So I'm going to keep moving on to her number two. I've moved up bland love interest to number two because it kind of goes so hand in hand with our lead. So in this case, our bland love interest is Mark. Uh, As we know, we divide our love interests into two categories. They are either A, poor little rich boy, or B, a good natured, simple man who works with his hands. Now, typically I say a widowed dad who works with his hands, but in this case, we kind of have to divide them because Mark is our poor little rich boy who is also a widowed dad. Uh, So twist, if you will. Uh, Mark is played by Dwayne Henry, who somebody I'm not familiar with. I think he was on one of those shows on CBS that's 
been on forever and your parents probably watch uh, NCIS, maybe? Or the other one? What's the other one? The CSI? No, NCIS. Okay, yeah, see? I knew that. Uh, Dwayne Henry, he's a very handsome man. He is British. Uh, he's black, which is not a common thing that we see, and it's always refreshing for a lifetime. Uh, and, you know, he's fine. I mean, again, he's very good looking. Um, it, I, the problem is just that they don't really click. Like, sh again, she's just kind of a jerk. Uh, and he's fine, but not really that great. So I kind of, it's hard to care that these two people get together in any way. Um, so that's kind of a a shame like their conflict or their like what attracts them to each other is sort of the whole ranch work isn't hard oh yeah i'll show you and that's basically like 40 minutes of, of the runtime of the movie uh he is very self-aware of being a working dad including uh one of his actual lines quote unquote sometimes i'm so busy working i forget i'm a dad oh boy how dare you don't worry that will all be resolved also, I clocked it three minutes, 22 seconds into the movie when he is introduced as a single dad. So important, establish it right away. Now, moving on to number three is our setting, which is typically a big bad city, a charming small town, or a magical winter wonderland. In this case, it's a charming small town. Uh, I don't actually know the town. They might have said it. I don't know. But it is Paradise Ranch. That's that's where the action takes place. And this was filmed on location in Montana in July. And you can tell because everybody looks very hot in their uh, long-sleeved shirts and no gloves. And in terms of the whole small town versus big city thing, like, yeah, it's a, it's a thing throughout the movie. Um, you know, Mark constantly just can't believe how different life is in Montana. And at one point, he, he tells Mary, you know, in the city, we take classes to learn how to breathe. And boy, if that isn't, I mean, that that's like a true thing that people do. And, you know, yoga is kind of that. But of course, to Mary, that's just, well, that's just silly. Uh, number four is our dead parents or dead wife. In this case, we get both. Yes, it's a twofer. So again, less than three minutes in, uh, we get Mary's dad, who we're going to get to in a moment, uh, reminds us that Mary's mother, God rest her soul, has been dead for a long time. And of course, we don't really find out how Mark's wife died. I don't think they ever say it outright. Uh, of course, then my mind goes to always like he actually killed her. But they, there's no real nothing in the text to really support that. It's just my my theory. So, uh, dead mom. Dead, two dead moms. Wow. Okay, we're, we're starting off with a bang, folks. Now, number five is our sassy sidekick, which is typically a friend, a sister, a co-worker, and um, two important kind of A-Bs to this. One is, does the sidekick get their own B love story, right? Their own kind of secondary love story. And the other thing we look out for is, does the sidekick wear dangly oversized earrings? And it is a big fat yes to both of them. We actually have a few, I, I mean, I, let me cough when I say sassy, because I don't know how sassy they are, but we have a few sidekicks. So Mary has, um, I guess it's like the, her assistant, her main employee is a man named Jasper, and uh, 
Jasper, right from the beginning, is like, ew, rich people and nannies, that's awful. I bet the dad's screwing the nanny. He doesn't say that outright, but he kind of implies it, which again is a, something you're going to find in a Lifetime movie as opposed to a Hallmark movie. Uh, but guess what? We meet the nanny, and guess what? She wears funky Christmas sweaters, and more importantly, a whole lot of big dangly earrings. And yes, Jasper and the assistant nanny, I didn't catch her name, I'm not going to, they hit it off. So there's that. Uh, I did wonder if most of the budget went to her sweaters, because kind of every scene, it's a different sweater, and every scene, it's like she looks like a walking Christmas tree. Uh, there is also another set of assistants, uh, just two other employees of the ranch uh, who also are in love. And it's re- and again, this is where like you just have to read between the lines in these movies. This is when it gets interesting, because these other two assistants, uh, and they're just other also I don't know what they do there, but they also work on the ranch. They are a couple, but they're very like scared to tell Mary about it. And their excuse is that, oh, you know, Mary is really big into work and, you know, we think she frowns on office romance. But it's strange because it doesn't really seem like she'd be pissed about it. Like, again, there are seven people that live in Montana. Surely, if there are two attractive ones, they are going to be in a relationship. And then eventually Mary finds out and she's like, oh, okay, great. Good for you. So was one of them actually fucking Mary at one point? I don't know. Something was going on. Something. We, we, we will not know because this movie doesn't go into the depths of it, but it's there and it's kind of strange. So moving on, number six is the... Number six is like my favorite and we rarely get it because movies have gotten nicer so they don't even have fun with the villains. Number six is our evil woman. Sometimes it's an evil male boss, but in this case, there's nothing. There is no actual conflict in this movie. There is nobody standing in anybody's way. So we move on to number seven, which is the montage, often montages. If we're lucky, we get more than one. In this case, we get a few. The opening scene is essentially just a commercial for Montana. A lot of scenic horses roaming and that kind of thing. Uh, later, we get a lasso, learning how to lasso montage, which is as awkward as it sounds. Uh, and I do believe that, you know, like Melissa Joan Hart talked about, like learning how to do things on a ranch that I guess she took her own lessons in lassoing and horseback riding. I don't know that any of it's there. Um there's just people swinging lassos and we just it's the the montage style of this movie is just to keep cutting from one thing to the other to the other to the other back and forth uh with no action nothing actually happening so in this case um the the main thing that's of importance in the lasso montage is that everybody's laughing we melissa joan hart throws a lasso cut to the child laughing cut back to Melissa Joan Hart throwing the lasso, cut back to one of the assistants laughing. And it just goes on for about 90 seconds. Uh, and then the last big montage, there might have been more, um, but the last one that stood out to me was the Christmas market shopping montage. Now, anybody who knows me knows I love a shopping montage. In this case, there is a Christmas festival in town. Um, I don't know if you do this, but apparently the best way to shop at a Christmas market is just to pick every item up and sniff it. That is this entire montage. It's just people walking from table to table, picking up an item. And sometimes it's like a candle. It makes sense. But other times I think it was like a snow globe. I've, I've never smelled a snow globe. Never thought to smell like a snow globe. Apparently in Montana you do that kind of thing. Uh, moving on to number eight is our slapstick. And boy, oh boy, do we get our money's worth here. Lots of horse hijinks. And by horse hijinks, I mean there will be a character saying whoa a lot. 
um, rodeo music will play uh, and we won't actually see anything. This is another kind of montage of when Mark is riding a horse for the first time and he gets on a horse and, and again, says, whoa, and the horse just walks out of frame and then the music keeps playing and it keeps, again, kind of cutting to people laughing. We don't actually see a single thing happen on the horse, but I will give it to the editor because they they almost made me believe something was happening on camera when there was literally nothing happening on camera. Uh, there's some, you know, everybody's on a horse. One detail I noted was that um, nobody's wearing a helmet, which, again, I don't know if I guess you don't do that on a ranch. I don't know. But like the little boy is wearing a helmet, uh, only it's clearly a little girl's bike helmet. So just putting that out there on the budget. Uh, let's see, the dad has to cut down a tree, and what do you know, it's hard to cut down a tree if you're a city guy. And then the last bit of slapstick that I did want to mention, I mentioned up front that apparently while filming, all the actors had to have bear spray on them at all times. Uh, so you would think this scene where Mark and Mary are um, like going to look around uh, to make sure everything is like clear at one of the houses that's off the property... Like, why not have a bear? That'd be exciting. Instead, Mary freaks out because there's a raccoon in the house. And as tough as she is, Mary is afraid of raccoons. So that was that. Uh, number nine is our sage old person, a very important part. This is kind of the secret weapon of these movies. If you don't have a good sage old person, you kind of don't have a movie. In this case, our sage old person is uh, Randall Flagg himself, Jamie Sheridan. Jamie Sheridan has also had a very long career. I know he's been in things other than the 1994 miniseries of The Stand, but when you, when, when you to Emily and Travia, was introduced as Randall Flagg, the it just becomes really rewarding to see you play a kind old man in a cozy cardigan Christmas movie. So in this case, he's Pops. I'm sure he has a name, but, you know, Mary calls him Pops, so I will too. Uh, and, he, you know, he's sweet. He's fine. Jamie Sheridan's a good actor. He can he can sell this well. But he also, there's some, again, oddness going on. I think my favorite line that he has when he says to Mary, he's kind of trying to tell her, like, hey, if you want to leave and go to L.A. and live with this millionaire, you know, you should feel okay to do it. He says to her, you know, if your mother and I were able to have more kids, you wouldn't have to do this. That's just a strange thing to put on yourself, to put on your dead wife of, like, hey, kid, I'm sorry your life is stuck in Montana. If only I was more fertile. It's strange, but it's, it's there. Again, just read between the lines on these movies and you'll get something. And then number 10 is Santa Claus. We don't get a Santa Claus. We do get Jamie Sheridan dressed as Santa Claus. So if that was something you dreamed of having, it's there. And bonus, apparently Jamie Sheridan did pass out during, for heat exhaustion, possibly when he was dressed in a Santa suit in July in Montana. So those are our 10. We move on to the bonus rounds, which are the little extras, the things that we really like, the fun parts of these movies. And let's see. So number one is the absurdly unlimited use of public domain holiday songs. We know that these movies are made on a limited budget and they are not going to spend money on music. So a few things uh, specifically that we look for. um, Is there a, let's see, Jingle Bells, which is always going to show up? And is it uh, set to action? And yes, we have that in the, the kids actually are singing that in the car as they drive to the ranch. Um, a few that don't come up in this one, so we'll just skip over them, because I guarantee you, we will have a sad montage to Silent Night. We will have a sexy version of a song that you never thought sexy. These things will come. We have a long season ahead of us. 
So the other song, we get a kind of odd moment where they're doing like a campfire uh, sing-along. Or no, they're not. They're just doing a campfire dinner. And then one of the characters says like, actually this great moment of, hey, Jasper, did you bring your guitar? And he just whips it out from behind him as if, I don't know where he was hiding that thing. Um, But Jasper breaks out the guitar. And then the other assistant starts singing, it came upon a midnight clear. And everybody is like, yes, my favorite. Like they're taking out lighters and and waving them in the air because she's playing the biggest hits. And that's not one that I ever think of as anybody's favorite Christmas song. But anyway, uh, to each his own. The other thing I I love is when we have non-holiday songs that are just clearly in some kind of box of music that Lifetime has access to that they didn't have to pay for. So there's a few of these sort of like kind of country songs that you have definitely never heard in your life. And then the other thing that we're going to look for a little harder this year is the what I'll call the Christmas word salad pop songs which is when there are songs that, again, you have never heard in your life except for in these movies. And it's songs about Christmas that kind of sound like carols, but not quite, like, with a slightly different beat to them. And typically, they are just songs where the singer is saying a lot of words associated with the holidays that kind of rhyme. So in this case, um, it's the closing credit song is, I guess it's called I'll Dream About Christmas. Uh... And there's just other things in there where they rhyme. I don't even write what they, I did not record what they rhymed, but lots of wish list, Christmas tree, mistletoe for you and me, those things just sung over and over again. Now, number two is the secret family recipe or obnoxiously complicated holiday cocktail. Uh, in this case, we get um, Mark makes his uh, signature gingerbread toast and it's better than Mary's s'more French toast, I think is what she's trying to make. Uh, we also, Jasper apparently is the cook there, so he makes a mean mint hot cocoa. And yes, characters, quote unquote, drink it. Number three is our small business in danger, which doesn't come up as far as we know. The ranch is doing just fine. That being said, when we see the town, um, it feels like this is a very sad little town that needs, I don't know, like a Walmart to come in or something, because I don't know how they're hanging on with as little business. I guess the um, scented snow globe industry might be a bigger online business, perhaps. Four is product placement. Um, The only thing I would say is that they make Montana look like a great place to go in December, because it's very sunny there. And apparently, you just need a light jacket, if even that, and you do not need to wear gloves in December in Montana. Uh, According to some of the reviews of this movie, that is not true, if you can believe it. Number five is our cloying child. In this case, we have two. So Mark has two kids. And the younger kid is fine. Um, he's cute. Uh, I don't know how old he is. I didn't catch the actor's name. He's, he's a nice little kid. He's, he's very enthusiastic. He's fine. Uh, the older daughter is, I, I'm not going to blame the, the actress. She's fine. Uh, although the trivia is, has a little side eye going at it where apparently the one bit of trivia for this movie <laughs> on IMDb. The mother of the actress playing Becca, the daughter, is indeed a producer. She has cast her girl in many cancelled, parentheses, cancelled TV series, and that is how she ended up with an acting career, dot dot dot, and this show. So whoever wrote that bit of trivia was not impressed by this girl's performance. She's fine. Uh, The annoying thing is that she has to play the typical texting teenager who doesn't know how to use a phone uh, and (laughs) says things like, I don't miss selfies nearly as much as I thought I would. Because her whole arc is that she forgot her phone charger. 
Um, so she can't take pictures. And of course, she has no service anyway. But then uh, Pops gives her a like an old school film camera and shows her how like, see, uh, there was a photographer named Ansel Adams who used to always take pictures, but he never put himself in the pictures. And she learns how to do that. And then oddly enough, takes a picture and has it framed and gives it to Pops as a present. So I guess there's no Wi-Fi, but there is like a CVS and walking distance where she could develop film in 2021. I don't know. These are details that we should not get bogged down. Let's see. Number six is finding the perfect tree. And there's, again, aforementioned, dad doesn't know how to chop down a tree. So, sure. Uh, Seven, empty coffee cup acting. There is a lot of empty coffee cup acting. A lot of empty hot cocoa cup acting. Um, Melissa Joan Hart has been doing these movies a really long time. I don't know why she's still really bad at empty coffee cup acting. Somebody should talk to her about that at this point. I give a pass to the kids. Like, how do they know? Nobody's teaching them. They're following the lead of somebody who's been in 75 of these movies. So it's important. Get your priorities in order. Eight, actors trying very hard not to take a bite of food on camera. Uh, you know, there there is a lot in, in the, the scene I mentioned earlier where they're all sitting around a campfire. There's a lot of moving things around their plates. But then at a certain point, they are eating to where I think like that was part of the budget. Uh, and then oddly enough, so later on in this movie, the nanny is drinking a bottle and it looks like a bottle of beer. And I, which kind of was surprising because you don't see that in these movies often. They're usually TVG. And I think it's like, that's one of those things that can like tip a movie over into PG territory. Um, But I also noticed that the camera would do that thing where like, I know there's a term for it. I'm too lazy to look it up where like when there's two actors in a shot, the one in front is in focus and then the one in back is out of focus and then it switches. And it seemed like every time she went to bring the bottle to her mouth, it went out of focus. So Maybe I was watching this a little too closely, or maybe that was one way to get around uh, the rating. Let's see, number nine, Canadianisms, or obvious tells the movie was shot somewhere that was not the location. That is not the case in here. They did film in Montana in July. And that brings us to number 10, which is the warm weather watch when we are looking for proof that this was not filmed during the holiday season. Uh, Oh boy, this one you could, you you could make quite a, quite a video essay on. Uh, We get a lot of talk about how like, wow, look at the view. And then you'll see like a little bit of snow on the ground. And then you never see snow again in this entire movie. Uh, Nobody wears a coat. Nobody wears gloves. Nobody wears a hat. And again, might I mention they are in Montana. Uh, I will give them a pass because they do actually say, and I'm sure this was added because they had to have realized, oh boy, this is, we we can't hide this. They say it's, they don't say it's unseasonably warm, but they mention it's great weather. So they do keep saying that. So, you know, they tried to adjust. I will give them that. Uh, Number 11, one of the newer ones uh, is something that came up a lot last year. So I added it to the bonuses. Old people aggressively, sometimes inappropriately, matchmaking. A lot of these movies, you get the sage old person that's sort of like uncomfortably pushing two characters together. Uh, in this case, it's more the kids. Like the, the kids like clearly need a mom and are really trying to get their dad to, to go for it. Uh, if anything, as much as Jamie Sheridan does encourage Mary to, um, you know, leave the ranch, maybe he's just tired of ratitude, I don't know. Uh, he also keeps interrupting them when they're about to kiss. So, you know, kind of the reverse where we have a cock blocking moment. 
And number 12, I've added a new one that's very exciting. And I this is where that first movie sometimes matters because I don't know that I would have had it without this one. I have added as the final bonus we look for in these movies, our favorite fashion moment. Because, you know, these movies don't have big budgets. The costume department is probably just pulling stuff used from other movies and repurposing it and so on. And in this case, there is a scene. Uh, so you're on a ranch. What do you do? You have campfires. You go horseback riding. You chop down trees. You also apparently square dance. We have a scene of square dancing, which, again, is talked about a little bit in some of the interviews that I posted where, like, nobody actually knew how to square dance. So they brought in, like, a friend of Kelly Martin and Melissa Joan Hartz who, like, came and quickly, like, choreographed their their dosi doing Or, as Jamie Sheridan pronounces it, dosi doing Now... When this happens, uh, you know, they're in the same set they've been in the whole movie, but it's like, okay, it's fancy time, square dancing. And Mary walks in and and there's like the whole like whoa, moment of uh, just jaw dropping. Everybody realizes how beautiful she is. She is wearing the ugliest ensemble. It's like a strapless green top with big earrings and like a very flouncy skirt. I'll try to get a screenshot. I, I'm not describing it well. It's it's not so much the outfit being what it is. I get it. You're in Montana. Uh, but also that like this is the thing that turns this incredibly good looking Los Angeles man to look at her and say, wow, that's a woman right there. That's a woman. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for your favorite fashion moment. That was was everything in Mistletoe in Montana. Now, sometimes I like to pull, especially when I'm doing it alone, some uh, IMDb reviews for these things. And uh, I have one three out of ten where, let's see, the name is um, uh, CNTY Gal 2, who watched this movie last year and had some like insider info on it. So I'm going to quote her. Ahem. I'm from Montana. I get that filming took place in summer and outdoor scenes were shot in early fall to get snow on the mountains. But we do not have sunlight at 6 a.m. December. We don't have green grass in December. You cannot sit outside at a campfire or wear such light clothing in December. There's no snow on trees and the area would be super cold and covered in snow at Christmas. I'm really disappointed that this is not a more accurate depiction of what Montana really looks like. I live 30 miles from East Helena where the town scenes were shot and I know what it should look like. I love Kelly Martin and Melissa Joan Hart. I thought it would have been better. I've watched Melissa posting on Facebook while she was here and her local news post of the filming, so I'm not guessing at this stuff. Content was good, though. So, 3 out of 10 there. Uh, and then there is an 8 out of 10 um, who, you know, we say I nitpick these movies, but take a, take a listen to what Doodled has to say about this one. Ahem. <laughs> uh, oh, and the title of her review was Cute Story, But Accent and Pronunciations Bothered Me. Here's her review. We did square dancing in school in the 1970s. Loved that scene in costumes. The man said do si do. Every movie and school said do si do. The Ansel Adams scene, he said Ansel. After researching, I found true, correct pronunciation Ansel, one syllable. I've been to Montana and the accent for pop seemed too exaggerated and exaggerated for someone from Montana based on the storyline. That being said, she did give it, or they, they did give it eight out of 10. So the question is, what do I think? Should you watch this movie? Will you get anything out of it? Uh, um, um, this is not one of the special ones, I think is the way I'll say that. It's not offensive. It is not incompetent. Uh, it's just there's little 
like you can kind of group these into I would say like two categories of recommends at least coming from me sometimes I watch a movie and I say that was actually good like it was actually cute it had energy it had chemistry it, it worked as a movie this one doesn't really or that was enjoyable it was zany it was stupid it was weird it had things going on that made me really intrigued that's also not this one this one's fine it's it's not one for if you're one of those people that doesn't actually like these movies don't watch this one if you're somebody who's i don't know kind of like can tolerate any of these i think this one's tolerable uh fine so that is mistletoe in montana we will be back the next time i'm here i will have a guest star so don't worry you if you cannot take my melissa joan hart-ish long island accent uh you will not have to hear it too much longer so with that being said grab your partner and do side do and we will see you on the other side go Come back home and swing your band once around us, say. You join our hands and circle to the left, go moving round and then. Do an L one left with your left hand and we then break my friend. Weave it in and weave it out until you meet your own. Swing your girl around and round and promenade her home. Here we go! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Well, Right, left, and Ferris wheel. Center, square, three, three quarters, round.